follow as I read in Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read beginning at verse 12 through the end of the chapter. This chapter begins with this wonderful statement, therefore having been justified by faith, and that's been the themes of chapters 3 and 4, being justified freely by the grace of God, being accepted, that in the gospel God justifies the ungodly, which is what he has done for us. And then beginning this chapter, we have been justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to pick it up here in verses 12 through 21, where we see this uh, connection between Adam and also the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so reads God's holy word. As we continue this series on living life between the two advents or living between the already and the not yet, I want to talk about um, the already and the not yet relative to the second Adam. I think most of us are familiar with the story of Ruth and Naomi, her mother-in-law, and how Naomi Naomi had gone down and uh, with her husband and her two sons during a famine to find bread. And while they were there, the two sons married, and then. Uh, The father died, the two sons died, and Ruth is coming back to the promised land, and she's coming with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who said, your God will be my God. 
And uh, we know the story of these two women. As they come back, they're both widows. They're in a hard place, a difficult place. And uh, they are trying to make ends meet. And in this wonderful love story, um, Naomi encourages her daughter-in-law, Ruth, to go to a certain field of Boaz and there to glean wheat. And this was part of the Mosaic law that when someone was needy, they could go in after the reapers had reaped a field. They would leave the corners um, untouched, and the poor and the needy could come in, and they would be able to get supplies for themselves, food for themselves. It was a working welfare program. You had to work for it, which is a good idea. But uh, here are are these two that, uh, or here is... uh, Ruth, who goes to Boaz's field. And you remember the story. Here is these, again, these two women in need. Um, and the way it was set up in the Old Testament, the Mosaic Law, the land was to stay in the family. And uh, there is no man at this point. And the law said a kinsman redeemer must come and marry uh, one, of the, one of the brothers, must marry the, the wife and raise up a seed and keep the land in the family. And Boaz is one who is a kinsman. And Boaz comes and he marries Ruth and and takes her under his wing and cares for her and supplies for her. And uh, here's a a wonderful picture uh, ultimately pointing us to Christ. And interestingly enough, we find in the book of Matthew and the genealogy, there listed is Ruth uh, who was married to Boaz. And uh, so here is this beautiful picture of this kinsman, one who comes alongside to help. We talked this morning about a mediator, that Jesus Christ is our mediator. In a very real sense, he's our kinsman redeemer as well. And he is referred to in scripture as being the last Adam. And Adam was a type of this second Adam that would come um, but maybe we, maybe sometimes we don't really think about this much, but in reference to Christ, he is a second Adam. He is the, the last Adam. We need someone, just like Ruth did and, and Naomi, a kinsman to come alongside of us and to give help to us, one who is equipped to do that. And so it is with Christ. We see the promise of a, a second Adam, um, In the Bible, it underscores for us when we get to the Gospels, the incarnation of Christ, it underscores Christ is unique. He is divine. He is the Son of God. And so rightly, we understand that in this incarnation that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us, full and undiminished deity. But we must also be careful to understand that he is full and undiminished humanity. He is like us in every way apart from sin. Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she brought forth a son. A son was born to her. And the wise man came and said, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? And uh, 
He is indeed the Son of God, and he is the Son of Mary, and he is hes more than a mere man, but he's not less than a man. Um, and it's important that we understand this. There are those that have unbiblical views about the humanity of Christ. There's modalism which uh, taught that the Trinity is just, you know, God appearing in different as Father, sometimes a Son, as Spirit. Um, Christ never really took to himself a human nature, a human body. These are inappropriate, inaccurate views of Christ. He is the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, but he is fully human, apart from sin. So he lived in this world. He knew what it was to be hungry, he knew what it was to be tired and asleep on the boat on the Sea of Galilee. He had a righteous anger that was displayed when he cleansed the temple. He was one who had compassion. But we never find him ever sinning. He is holy and innocent and undefiled, perfect, sinless humanity. So he was a true man apart from sin. God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And Paul says, this is a great mystery. And indeed, it is. Um, and all this is important as it relates to his mission. In reference to Christ's humanity, it's important that we understand the many, many reasons as to why he took upon our, our likeness. But the primary reason is he had to share our humanity because like Adam... He would stand as a representative and as a head for his people. And, and we have this here in Romans 5, that there is uh, this connection to Adam. Adam was our representative, wasn't he? And uh, God appointed him in that position. And verse 12 tells us that as Adam fail, fell, we fell in him. There's a sense in which we were piggybacked on the back of Adam, so that again, when he fell, we fell. So he was our representative. We have a representative government, don't we? And uh, those that are elected, they are supposed to represent us. They don't always do that, often don't do that. But uh, Adam was one who represented us. And in like manner, Christ had to take on humanity to be a representative for fallen sinners, for sons of Adam that had been given to him by the Father. And so he had to be made like unto us. And there are two passages that make a direct connection between Christ and Adam. One of them is here. We see in verse 14 where it says, but the free gift is not like the offense, which was Adam. He fell. For if by the one man's offense many died, all right, he was our federal head, he was our representative, and, and he failed, and as a result of that, many died, sin came upon the race, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And back in verse 14, it talks there, that's where I was supposed to be reading. <laughs> Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, 
who is a type of him who was to come. So in the same way in which Adam was a representative, he's a type of the Christ who would come, who would also be a representative. And uh, another passage, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 15, where we have mention of this connection, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 45. It says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, it's a reference to Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. There was the first Adam, God breathed into him, and he became a living being. This last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Adam had life breathed into him. This second Adam, the last Adam, is the source of life. He's the one that, he is the one that gives life himself. And so here are these two passages that liken Christ to Adam. Where Adam failed, this one will prevail. This one will not fail. Again, he was holy and innocent, undefiled. He never sinned. And so he is the faithful Adam. So looking back from the New Testament and this promise of a mighty deliverer, a second Adam, who would undo the effects of the first Adam, we see that um, there are promises that are made about one that is coming. And we've already looked at some of these passages of Scripture that there is one who is coming that is going to restore what has been lost, and he will be the son or he will be a descendant of Eve. We looked at that, the serpent crusher, in that statement in Genesis 3.15, this one that is to come from Eve will crush the head of the serpent. So it is looking forward to one that is promised who is going to come and who will be a deliverer, he will be a savior. Um, Adam was to multiply, he was to fulfill fill the earth, to subdue it, to have dominion. And uh, as an image bearer, he was to multiply and fill the earth with image bearers. But Adam fell in that responsibility. But throughout the Old Testament, we have the promise of one that is coming, and he is going to fulfill what Adam failed to do. Um, you remember the promise that's given to Abraham. You're going to have a seed that will come from you. He's going to bring blessing to all the earth. And then these words from Daniel 7, 13 and 14. In my night vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, and he was led into his presence, Okay, one like the Son of Man, approaching unto the Ancient of Days. And then to him, to this one who is the Son of Man, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. 
So we might say that the Messiah is definitely one from Adam's descendant. He will be a, a descendant of Adam. And more specifically, he will come from the line of Abraham, as we know, and he will come from the line of Judah. He will come from the line of David. And according to the New Testament, he's a new Adam. He's the last Adam, and he is faithful. He does not fail in his mission. He will rule and reign forever. He will bring in um, a world in which men from every nation, tribe, and tongue will serve God and reflect him as image bearers in that new world and even at this time as well. Um, So where Adam brought ruin for the race, the second Adam brings salvation to the race to restore to the exalted position that was lost, that Adam had and Eve and they fell from. And so Christ will bring in a new humanity in which uh, this intended purpose will be brought about. Again, this is the promise that God has made of one who will come and rule and reign. So when we think about the first Adam or the, the first advent of the coming of Christ, this second Adam, we see that he is indeed, according to Matthew 1, he's of the line of David, the promised king that will come. Luke 1 tells us his genealogy. It goes all the way back to Adam. So he's connected to Abraham. He's connected to David. He's connected to Adam. And here is this uh, one that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son who was born of a woman. He partakes of our humanity. He is like us. And this figure of Daniel 7 uh, comes to bear in this one. He is like the Son of Man, but he is greater. He is he's more than a man. He is uh, the one who stands before the Ancient of Days and is given dominion. And the Messianic title that is most used by Jesus himself in the Gospels when he is ministering is Son of Man. This is used 81 times in the Gospel. And it is a title that is used again by Christ when he speaks of himself. This morning we looked at Matthew 20, 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 16, verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, And then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not see death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So Jesus connects himself to this prophecy that is made by, in Daniel, Daniel 7, that he is this one who is the Son of Man. But but as the Son of Man, he is like Adam. He acts as one who is an appointed representative for his people, those that have been given to him. And we see this here in Romans chapter uh, 5, where even as Adam sinned and was disobedient and he brought condemnation and he brought judgment and he brought death, this one who is the representative of his people by his obedience 
many will be made righteous. And so we here see the saving ministry of this, the Son of Man. In the Geneva Bible, it makes this comment. The main thrust of the analogy here in Romans 5 is that there is a parallel between Adam and Christ in that condemnation and justification are the direct fruits of their actions. On the basis of the actions of one, many are constituted either sinners or righteous. Adam is the representative head as well as the physical root of all, and all sin and fell when he sinned. In contrast to that, by one man's obedience, those whom Christ represents, they are made righteous in him. Christ is their representative head, as well as the spiritual root of the new humanity, for through his resurrection, they are given new birth and a living hope. And just like Ruth, there is this kinsman redeemer who comes brings deliverance, brings hope, brings life to her. So this one who is our kinsman redeemer, he's our representative. He mediates for us. He brings life. He brings righteousness. He brings all these blessings that are ours in Christ. In fact, Paul says he's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. So in Christ, we have righteousness, we have justification, we have abounding grace. Where sin has abounded, this is, this is a wonderful statement. Where sin is abounded, the grace of God does what? It much more abounds to us. It much more abounds to us. And so by the one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. By this man's obedience, the, the many they are made to be righteous. We are blessed to be in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that by his doing, we are in Christ Jesus. We're in union with him. And being in union with him, we have wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What, what a place to be to be under this representative, to be joined to this, the last Adam, what a blessing to be in his kingdom. You know, we're seeing a lot of changes in our, our country. We, we talk about red states and blue states, and a lot, of, a lot of people are leaving a lot of those blue states. They don't like their representatives. They're going to other places where it is better. Well, we are in a good place in Jesus Christ. We have him as our representative. He is holy and innocent. He's all wise. And we have abundance of blessings that are ours in him. And so we thank God for this one who is indeed our representative. And in his work, he himself was made to be sin for us. We've been talking about that in the last several uh, weeks. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22, since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead, for as in, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Again, to be joined to Christ, 
we are blessed and we have been made alive by his grace. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Martin Luther said this, Lord Jesus, thou art my righteousness and I am thy sin. Thou hast taken on thee what was mine and you have given to me what was thine. What I was, thou becamest, that I might be what I was not. We have this great representative, this last Adam, who has given to us his own righteousness, taken to himself our sin. And it is he that is raising up this new humanity. And so the gospel brings in new things. It brings in this new humanity. It brings in the new birth a new creation, a new status, a new life, and the hope and the anticipation of a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. And what a state that will be. And we again thank the Lord for his grace. So this is the coming of the the last Adam. He came as he was born of Mary, as he lived and ministered. But there's the not yet of this second Adam. We are looking for uh, that day to come when he will come and rule and reign forever. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28 says, it is appointed for men once to die, but after that, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many and to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from salvation, apart from sin, for salvation. There's a lot of things that Christ has won for us that we don't yet have. They're not yet in our hand, but he's going to come again, and he will bring in the fullness of his salvation for his people. And so we look forward to the reign of Christ and the new heavens and the new earth, a new humanity, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue redeemed, by the grace of God. But right now we're living between the already, he's already come, but the not yet, he's not yet come. And so as we live in this time, we, first of all, we ought to be thankful for this second Adam, this representative, this faithful one who undoes what the first Adam has done. And, uh, we can be thankful to God that he is going to restore us to the intended purpose for which we were created as image bearers, that we will know God, that we will reflect God, that we were predestined to be conformed to the image and the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we will glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so he will bring this about. Um, As image bearers, we are clothed with glory and honor, the likeness of Christ. And for that, we can be very thankful. And not only that, we can be thankful for the mediator who saves us in every way that we need to be saved. He is at work in us to conform us and make us to be holy and to be righteous. He is one who sympathizes with us our kinsman redeemer, those wonderful words of Hebrews 4. 
We do not have a priest who cannot sympathize with us, but one who has been tested in all points like we are yet without sin. And he's able to give grace and help to us in the very time that we need it, the very hour that we need it. This is the kinsman redeemer that we have, one who is like us, but he's clothed with power. He's clothed with sympathy and compassion, and he is able to minister to us in our need. And uh, so, again, we can be most thankful for that. Um, He's one that is shared in our afflictions in this fallen world, and he's able to give help and grace to us. And then Paul tells us as we receive comfort from him, we are able to comfort others in like affliction. We have that opportunity to reflect Christ and to bring comfort and help to others. And so this is our hope as we live in this world, our worldview, the way in which we see this world, that this world is passing away, but the one to whom we belong, our representative, our kinsman, redeemer, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's clothed with majesty and glory. All authority and power is his, and he's going to come and accomplish and fulfill the purpose for which the Father has sent him. And he will not fail in that ministry. And so, according to Romans 5, we are, if we're a believer, we are in Adam. And, or excuse me, we're fallen in Adam, but by God's grace, we have been transferred into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been united to him. And therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and every other gift that God has promised to us in this second Adam. All right, well, let's stand and we'll be dismissed with